Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 25th of October, 2015. Well, Halloween is fast approaching. I hope all you guys have uh, have a lot of fun. The guys out there that still have kids at home, uh, it's always a fun time to have them go out and get to do their costumes. My daughter and I are actually going to be stormtroopers, and I guess more specifically, we're going to be clone troopers. I have a couple of helmets that were from, I think, uh, I can't remember the toy company that did it, but they were actually the talking the talking helmets, or they've got the, the, the voices, the stuff that's recorded in there. So we've got the helmets, and the helmets look good. They're probably realistically made for like a teenager or an adult. You can adjust the size of the helmet, but the proportions of the helmet actually look better, you know, maybe on a bigger kid or on an adult. So on her, the helmet looks a little big. On me, it looks fine. Uh, but anyway... We had gone back and forth on, well, how are we going to make the armor? What are we going to do? You know, should we try and buy something? And when you look at buying actual costumes that look good, they are a lot of money. And I don't mean a lot of money like $100. I mean a lot of money like $1,000 to get actual armor that you could, you know, that would look kind of how they did in the movie. So we said, well, I don't think we're going to be doing that. So our idea was you know, go to the, to go to the dollar store and try and find different things. And we thought, well, maybe we could find some white plastic trash cans or some white plastic, you know, this, that, or whatever. We wouldn't have to end up painting it and we could get things that would look similar and then we'd be able to sort of make our own armor that way. And after going through some prototypes and doing some back and forth on stuff, it ended up the easiest thing to do was actually to, just to use kind of poster board. And so I, I'll, I'll put some pictures up on uh, Facebook after Halloween and, and you guys can kind of get a kick out of them. Hopefully they won't look too bad. And I think because we have the helmets, the helmets are sort of going to sell the idea more than anything. But uh, you may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with guns? Well, nothing. But anyway, that's what we're going to be doing this Halloween. So on the show today, we do have some feedback. Uh, if you'll remember a while back, I talked about getting a Rifle Dynamics AK, which is uh, Jim Fuller's company, and I'm still planning on doing that. I don't know when that's going to happen. It may, probably won't be this year. Maybe next year I'll be able to do it. I don't know. Uh, it, it just depends. Um, if I can sell some certain things and get the money, then it you know I might be able to do it. So anyway, uh, we... I was contacted uh, by a listener, uh, Tim, and he said that he was going to be going to the AK Builders class out in Nevada, out in Las Vegas, where uh, where Jim is, and they have the Builders class out there. And he is, 
I don't, I, I think he gave me the date, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, after he gets done with that, he's agreed to come on the show and sort of talk about his experiences and kind of what he thought of the class. And I had thought a while back about maybe going to the builder's class, but then I thought, well, for probably about the same amount of money, I can just sort of get the rifle that I want. I think, well, I, I won't go into too much detail about kind of my suppositions of it or my assumptions of it until Tim comes on the show and then we can kind of go through, uh, go through the details on that. So anyway, but I did want you guys to know that that is going to be coming up. Uh, also let's see what else. Um, I think that's about it on the AK stuff. I thought I had some other stuff, but we actually got, um, some information on, I was talking about the lever action and looking at, you know, at the Henry's looking at the, at the golden uh, Henry golden boys, looking at Marlins, looking at Rossi, looking at some of the other things. And I think, although I don't think I mentioned it, I know Mossberg sort of made their quote unquote tactical lever action, which I, I never, I never liked the, uh, the look of that. But anyway, one of the listeners sent me a, uh, a link to uh, an article about Marlin and uh, kind of what they considered like the, uh, um, the, I think the article was entitled The Rise and Fall of Marlin. Uh, and that was sent by John. And he said it was a, uh, a link in a Canadian magazine. If I can remember to do it, I'll try and put that link in here. But what I wanted to do with that was to go ahead and just read out a little bit of uh, some of the article. I don't want to read all of it. Uh, I think the magazine is uh, Caliber or something like that. Anyway, basically what they talked about in the article, and I guess I'll just kind of summarize it. They, they kind of go into a little bit of the history and kind of how, how the company sort of changed hands, this, that, and the other thing. But the main thing that, that I found interesting was when Remington took over. And so basically what it says is that in 2007, Remington came in and they purchased Marlin. And there were a lot of problems that started to uh, to happen after that. And it seemed like that most modern stuff are made on with the, with the CNC machines and then they have the, the blueprints or whatever, or the dimensional drawings, I guess they're called for that stuff. And what had happened was, is that in sort of in the history of Marlin or those guns being made, they were sort of being handed down or let's say I would come as a new person to work at the Marlin company doing lever actions. And then that the guy that who was running those older machines, he would basically just sort of teach me like an apprentice and I would kind of learn how to do everything sort of hands on and then it would sort of go, you know, down, be sort of handed down generation to generation, that type of thing. Well, I guess when Remington took over, uh, a lot of those people, the the staff, the Marlin staff didn't follow the company when they moved to New York. And then when they tried to, I guess, bring the old machines over, there was problems in that. And there were tons and tons of... Uh, obstacles that they had to overcome, but instead of doing it 
the proper way, it seems that they just sort of charged ahead or, or thought, well, we can throw some stuff out and if there's problems, maybe we can fix them. But what happened is the quality went down so far because you didn't have you didn't have the craftsmanship of the people that used to do it. And then you had other people who were used to making shotguns or used to making bolt action rifles that were now trying to trying to make lever actions and didn't know sort of all the intricacies of that and sort of what needed to be done. So and I guess what's happened is supposedly that they had to get dimensional drawings created for each one of the different lever action model guns that they have. And then they had to try and figure out how to be able to machine those. So supposedly the drawings, the dimensional drawings were completed around 2012. Now I don't know if anything made after 2012 is supposed to be good or if they're still having some problems. So I don't know if you bought something, if you would want to buy something, if you were looking at a lever action gun, I guess you would want to look probably pre-2007 at least, and probably maybe even, you know, I don't know, maybe even pre-2000 is what you would want. And then you would probably wouldn't want anything after, geez, almost maybe like 2014 or 2015 because you would want to give them a couple of years. If, if they had the drawings done in 2012, you'd still want to give them a couple of years to sort of figure out all the bugs and everything. So I, I don't know. Um, I have went on YouTube and I looked at a couple of things. And of course, you, you know, a lot of that stuff you have to kind of take with a grain of salt. But it seems that there maybe are still still some problems uh, there are still some problems with fit and finish. There's still some problems with the actual craftsmanship of it. Now, I can, I, I guess I can understand and I can get how you can say that maybe some of the internals of it still aren't working so great, but that when you're looking at stuff like, well, this is the finish on the barrel, or this is how the stock is going to fit into that, and and have it actually look good. Uh, it still seems that there are some problems with that. So again, I don't know how much of a craftsman you have to be to be able to properly fit that. I don't know how much of a craftsman you have to be to make sure that the the uh, butt pad on the end of the rifle is set correctly. I don't know how much of a craftsman you have to be to make sure that your barrels aren't canted or that the four ends fit properly. That is a lot of basic stuff. And, you know, again, maybe I'm talking out of my ass here a little bit with it, but it seems like on some of that stuff, that should be the easy stuff, the stuff that you should actually be able to get. And it doesn't really seem like they're, they're doing that too well. So anyway, like I said, I will try and uh, remember to put a link to that. Uh, in the show notes if you want to go over to Firearms Cafe. I also will try and put a link to that article on the Facebook uh, listener page, which will be, uh, again, Firearms Cafe over there. So again, John, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate that. So we do have another bit of feedback, and this is from Spencer in Georgia. And he was actually in the uh, Basada Yub group class that I did, which was the MAG-40 class back in 2012. And his name is Spencer. And again, he writes in and he says, Hey, this is Spencer from Georgia. I've been meaning to write you for a while now, but when you mention wanting a pistol 
caliber lever action in your last show. It finally got me off my butt to send an email. Sorry about the length, but there is a lot to say on these guns. My first lever action was a new Marlin 1894C that I bought about four years ago. A lot of folks call these Remlins because they were made at the Remington plant and that moniker is not a good thing. While I found the Marlin action very good at feeding and extraction and the side loading port very convenient, the gun had lots of downsides. The action was very rough, and one of the first thing I had to do was take it apart and clean up a lot of the rough areas that should have been handled by the factory, especially for the almost $800 price tag this gun carried. Over the two years I owned it, I also had several parts simply break, and while field stripping these guns is simple, detail stripping to replace parts is a lot more involved. In the end, I sold the gun for what I paid for it and went looking for a better option. I did look at older JM stamped rifles made by Marlin before the takeover by Remington, but they are priced in the stratosphere and are just too valuable to use as a truck gun. My next 357 lever was a Rossi Model 92. Sad to say the quality on these guns also leaves something to be desired. And I found the 1892 style action was a lot more sensitive to the length and shape of the ammo being used. To be fair, this rifle had been tuned up by a noted Rossi 92 gunsmith for cowboy action shooting, which made it even more finicky about the ammo it would feed. But research showed that this was a pretty common complaint about these guns, with many of them being sent back to Rossi several times to get them to work reasonably well. I ended up selling that gun to a guy who was shooting cowboy action and could hand load his ammo to the exact specs that the gun seemed to like the best. My current 357 lever action is the Henry Big Boy Rifle. The quality on these guns is phenomenal and the materials seem first rate. It does have a few downsides though. It's about $250 more than the Rossi and also uses the 1892 style action. While much more dependable than the Rossi, it's still sensitive to the length and shape of the ammo used. Henry even gives you the tips in the manual for figuring out what ammo will be the most likely types to feed reliably. In general, I've found that most 57 is fine, and 38s with rounded bullets work well. I still average about one misfeed every 20 to 30 rounds, though. As you mentioned, the Henry also uses a tube-fed magazine and doesn't have a side loading gate. This makes reloads pretty slow and is not something you'd want in a self-defense rifle. As a practical matter, it's also too expensive and too good-looking to use as a truck gun. For me, this is strictly a range toy. I do have a Ruger Model 96 lever action. That is a great gun, and at $600 or so used, they aren't ridiculously expensive. However, Ruger only made these in rimfire and 44 Magnum, which is never a round I carried for self-defense. In the end, I gave up on the thought of a pistol caliber lever action gun as a self-defense tool. For my truck, I ended up with a classic Marlin 336, 
in a polymer ram line stock. You can find used pre-Remington guns for around $300 almost anywhere around here. And the 30-30 round they are chambered in is just as potent for self-defense as it is for hunting. These guns are well made and reliable, and I've never had any feeding issues with them. The ram line stock is a direct replacement for the factory wood, but it's a lot tougher and more resistant to our humid Georgia summers. Excuse me. For ammo, I use the Hornady FTX polymer-tipped rounds that have the same guaranteed expansion as the critical defense ammo I carry in my FNS 9mm pistol. I have a buttstock pad with a pouch on the offside that holds an additional 15 rounds for reloads through the side gate. Since I carry 9mm as a defensive round these days, I don't miss the ammo compatibility I originally wanted when my carry gun was a 357 Magnum LCR revolver. The Marlin 336 works reliable, or excuse me, works reliably, is very accurate, has a lot more punch at self-defense ranges, and is very cost-effective. I've toyed with the idea of building an AR-15 to take over this role. However, as we learned in MAG-40, perception can be reality. Even here in gun-friendly Georgia, I'd rather have to explain a lever action than a quote-unquote assault rifle to a jury if I ever had to use it. Just my thoughts, but I'd figure I'd share them with you. Keep up the good work. Spencer in Georgia. Well, hey, Spencer. Thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it. A lot of information. A lot of good information. And, you know, you can only get so much knowledge off of watching things on YouTube. And you can get a lot, but it unless you're, you can get, you know, some of the information maybe from a, a trusted source. And sometimes on YouTube, you kind of wonder, well, does this guy have a gripe or uh, are they trying to legitimately share some information? So it's nice to get uh, something straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and from somebody that, uh, that I think doesn't really have any agenda. So very, again, very, uh, very well done email and lots of good information there, Spencer. It seems like, you know, you talked about the uh, the Ruger the in forty four Magnum, and that was one thing that I had actually toyed with as well. I thought, well, you know, maybe one day I'll buy a uh, a forty four Magnum revolver, and I'll also get a uh, maybe like a Ruger forty four Magnum. And just have something to wear if I was out camping. And again, out camping, excuse me. And again, it would be something that would be like a truck gun, something that you could take out camping with you, something that you could sort of have kind of that compatibility with the ammo. Uh, but I, I kind of went back and forth with it. And uh, I don't know, maybe one of these days I will. I still would like to get a lever action, but it seems like that there is just a lot of kind of, caveats with owning one i like one of the things that i liked about having the the pistol caliber as opposed to something like the the 3030 uh chambering is that you would have uh more rounds in the gun you would have more more rounds of available to fire uh prior to you having to manipulate the gun uh for reloads and things like that so anyway um I think what I will do is I'm going to take a look at that uh, at Ruger and take a look at those. Um, 
then it kind of, it, it was sort of like a lot of the things that Spencer talked about, like with the Henry are sort of where some of my kind of concerns as well. Like I didn't necessarily want to have, if I wanted to have, take something for basically kind of a camping gun or a beater gun or something like that. I didn't want to have something that was kind of almost like a work of art. Those Henry's are, are a beautiful gun though. So anyway, our next bit of feedback is from Scott Benjamin, and he is the current Arizona State Coordinator for Project Appleseed. So I'll go ahead and read what Scott has to say. He says, hi, I know this is a bit old, but someone just now directed me to your April podcast in which you talked about your Appleseed experience. I'm glad you had a good and productive time. I'm the current Arizona State Coordinator for Project Appleseed. After listening to your podcast, I just wanted to let you know that we are planning to hold some winter seeds in Flagstaff in the future. You were correct in that part of the problem has been staffing. We have just a handful of volunteers in this state currently putting on about 24 Arizona events annually. And up until just recently, none of those volunteers were located in northern Arizona. Also, the Northern Arizona Shooting Range in Flagstaff is a new range, just a few years in operation, and they initially couldn't guarantee that the Forest Service Road to the range would be open all winter. Now that the range is gaining in popularity and use, they're taking better care of the road all year, and we now have a volunteer in Flagstaff that has agreed to take charge of events held there. So, we're likely to start seeing some good growth of the program at that range. If you have any questions about Appleseed, don't hesitate to ask. I'll gladly answer what I can and find the answers to what I don't know. And that, again, he says, thanks. And that, again, is from Scott Benjamin, and he is the uh, Arizona coordinator for Project Appleseed. I uh, need to email Scott, and I need to try and see if I can't set up a time to get him on the show and we can talk about uh, some apple seed. I, I really enjoyed my time there. I thought it was really neat. After having gone and having some time pass, I've, there's some things I think that I would do a little bit differently with it, but I'll, I'll talk about that stuff uh, maybe a little bit later on, on, a, on a future show. So I think that is about... All the uh, feedback that I have, well, I don't. I'm looking through here. Yeah, I don't think I have anything more. I, I'll go over and double check on Facebook. You know, when we talk about contact info and everything, probably the um, the best way, if you want, actually to have to have something go on the show, is going to be either calling the voicemail or, or recording a, uh, an MP3 and sending it to me, um, or just sending me an email and I can read it out for you. Um, Facebook is, again, it's kind of weird. It seems that sometimes I get the, I get the notifications on, and this would be on the listener page. Uh, and sometimes it seems like I don't, or sometimes it seems like the somebody sent something like three months ago and it, it doesn't show up. So I don't know. I, like I said, I'm probably doing something wrong with, uh, I 
with how I'm supposed to, to look at notifications and stuff like that, but they don't make it easy. They don't. And I guess maybe it, it might be uh, a little bit more easy. Maybe if I was paying money for it, but I'm not going to pay, you know, money for that. And uh, so let's see if I can get over here on notifications. And I'm trying to find, yeah. Okay. Here's messages. So I don't No. Okay. I I don't think I have anything. It's only it's showing stuff from about a year ago. So I in theory I shouldn't have anything. Uh so anyway, like I said, I I'll try and uh drop a link on that article about Marlin over on the Facebook uh listener page. So what other stuff has been going on? Well, in general with me, I haven't really been able to do a whole lot uh, as far as even getting out of the range and going shooting and doing stuff. Things have just been too busy. As my daughter gets older and gets more involved in different activities and things, um, being able to get to the range becomes more difficult. Even being able to get uh, to have some spare time to be able to sit down and do a show becomes more difficult. We've, uh, you know, pretty much almost every night of the week we've got something going. And then usually one of the two days on the weekend, something's going as well. So uh, I'm going to try and maybe rearrange my schedule a little bit. Uh, I've tried to do some of the stuff in the truck and that's worked out, you know, okay. Uh, but in general, especially for this show, it just seems to work a little better to go uh, in front of the microphone. So anyway, uh, kind of on my, my wish list for stuff to get still, like I said before, I still would like to get a, a Rifle Dynamics AK. I'd like to, I still want to get the VP9, uh, but I've got to sell a few things to get that stuff going. And, uh, and right now at least out here the gun market isn't isn't kind of what it what I would like it to be it's more it almost seems like it's a little bit more of a buyer's market out here than it is a seller's market so i'm probably just going to have to you know nut up and and just kind of take what get what i can get for them uh in order to, for me to be able to get the vp9 and I haven't heard anything um, yet on whether they're going to bring out that their VP9K, which uh, I guess is going to be their like their compact K would be for Kurtz, which I guess means short. I know they came out with a VP40 or something like that. Uh, I don't really have much interest in the 40 caliber. Of course, I I, I kind of at one point had some interest in in 45. I don't really have much interest in that anymore. I'll pretty much just stick with nine. Uh, nine millimeter seems to do pretty much meets all my needs that, that I put out whatever need uh, or, or whatever require, I guess would probably be a better way to say it. Uh, I Now, with a 45, I still one day, and this is kind of, I guess, another thing on the wish list, I still would like to have a 1911, an old Colt. I'd, what I'd really like to have is an older... Uh, like an older model from the forties or fifties, something like that. Even, you know, even, uh, stuff from the early 1900s, I wouldn't mind having, you know, from the teens, twenties and thirties. And I guess, you know, anything like that. The only thing I, I wonder about is sort of like the metallurgy of them. Um, 
I know that there's some stuff that sort of the, oh, I don't want to say replicas, but I guess they're, uh, what are they, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? They kind of, uh, well, anyway, they redid, they've, they've made some things where like, I think, um, a few companies went back and they actually kind of made some that were like the old GI models and things like that. I, was it, uh, geez, who was it? Was it Remington that did like, I think they had a, I think they made a 1911 and I think, well, I know a bunch of different companies like SIG and Smith and Wesson and all, they all make kind of their own 1911, but I wanted one that was sort of like a replica of the, the old school guns. And I thought, well, if I was going to go do that, I might as well just buy an older one, but they're pretty pricey. People don't really want to let those things, let those things go for cheap. So I don't know if one day, if I'll ever get one, I, I had a couple opportunities a few years ago at a couple of gun shows that I was at to actually buy one. And they were, they were decent prices. And my plan at the time was to just to get an older one maybe take it into a place like uh, Robar, have them sort of refinish it. Uh, and before I did that, I would have maybe the ejection port opened up a little bit and put like a beaver tail on there and maybe some different sites. But other than that, just kind of leaving it pretty stock. Don't really accurize it or anything. Uh, just have it, you know, where it kind of rattles and where it feeds reliably and everything like that. And uh, the, the purpose of me having that wouldn't be for self-defense. I mean, in a pinch, it could be used for that, I guess. But the purpose for having it would be to have just a fun, you know, kind of range gun uh, to play around with and mess around with. So anyway, I think that is going to um, do it for today. So if you guys have any feedback, if you have any uh, comments or questions, anything like that, go ahead and shoot me an email. Uh, you can uh, also, like I said, do an MP3. You can call up the voicemail. The voicemail line, eh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to keep it. Mm, eh, I don't know. It, it's, it limits you to like three minutes. The, 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 um, the quality of, the, of it isn't that great, so I don't know. But it's free, so I, I, don't know, I guess I'll go ahead and keep it. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have it, but... Uh, you'll have much better quality. And if you do an MP3 and just send it to me that way. So, all right, I will uh, call it to a close and I will uh, talk to you guys next time. Oh, uh, I see. I did it again before I go. Uh, there are tons of other shows out there that you can listen to lots of good ones. Um, there's Chaz with the road gunner podcast. There's uh, Ken and Brian, with Modern Rifleman Radio, there's uh, Slamfire Radio with our Canuck friends, there's a New Shooter Canada, um, what other stuff, I know I'm missing stuff, um, the Gun Nation with Doc and uh, everybody, pretty much everybody but me, um, there's uh, Michael Bain who does uh, Downrange Radio, uh, who else, I, I know I'm missing some but I'm sort of just doing this off the top of my head, so... Uh, anyway, like I said, I will draw it to a close and I will talk to you guys next time.
vice It's like a symphony of quiet afternoons Asleep until noon, it's the booze and I assume Trapped inside a room, locked in a mind state It takes love to define hate They say practice makes perfect But if you're sitting on the bench Then it really isn't worth it So I rehearsed it world is a stage. If I stumble when I get it, shit, a critic isn't brave. Show me the same, the cast, the first stone. Please leave it alone. Let me face it on my own. They say you could be anything, so I wanted everything. Found out that it doesn't mean anything. Where do I go from here? What am I supposed to do? When I'm alone sometimes, I wish I was next to you. From the love lust, I'm getting stuck. Another victim of routine, invisible to dream, not predictable to see. I guess I didn't get the job, and it's been a lot to handle. I'm still in shambles. Say a prayer and light a candle. Give me some direction, retrace my steps, and I saw where I slipped up. What has gotten mixed up? Tip cup, you can have your two cents back. I thought we went back. I thought it was for real. I thought I was alone. I bet you know just how I feel. I guess it all comes back. It's a little known fact. I don't even know if I'm supposed to react. But just move on I got nothing to hold on I feel like we've been doing this for so long She said you can call me anything So I gave her everything Found out that it doesn't mean anything